Here's your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. One million reasons why you shouldn't even try. After all, you just want heart, a single candle in the dark. And there are shadows here, feeding on your fears. That you don't have what it takes, who are you to make a change? But oh, oh, don't underestimate the God you follow. Whatever you do, just don't look back. Somebody needs a lot to have. Whatever you do, just don't lose heart. Keep on pushing back the dark. Keep on pushing back the dark. A city on a hill. It should be shining still Every sinner saved by grace Has a purpose, has a place Inside the bigger plan We might not understand But if we just keep walking on We will see the kingdom come, yeah Whatever you do, just don't look back Oh, somebody needs a lot to have Whatever you do, just don't lose heart Keep on pushing back the dark Keep on pushing back the dark Let your light so shine Let your light so shine Let your light so shine Oh, oh, don't underestimate the God you follow He is the light that burns inside your soul So keep on shining till the whole world knows Whatever you do, just don't look back Oh, somebody needs a light to have Whatever you do, just don't lose heart Keep on pushing back the dark Just keep on pushing back the dark, dark Whatever you do, just don't look back Somebody needs a lot to have Whatever you do, just don't lose heart Keep on pushing back the dark Keep on pushing back the dark, yeah When you feel like you're too small To do any good at all Like a sunrise through the window like a symphony crescendo We are waking up again We are rising from the dead We are shining like the stars We are pushing back the dark Yeah We are pushing back Pushing back the dark Yeah, pushing back Pushing back Pushing back the dark We're just pushing back Pushing back Pushing back the And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 18, and we'll read through chapter 3, verse 6. Here is a bit of an overview of some of what we'll find in today's passages. Thyatira was a working person's town, with many trade guilds for cloth-making, dyeing, and pottery. Lydia, Paul's first convert in Philippi, was a merchant from Thyatira. 
The city was basically secular with no focus on any particular religion. The believers in Thyatira were commended for growing in good deeds. We should not only take comfort in gathering for worship or rejoice when people give their lives to Christ in our church. No, we should also seek to grow in love and faith and acts of service. Because the times are critical, we must spend our days wisely and faithfully. Now, why is sexual immorality serious? Sex outside marriage always hurts someone. It hurts God because it shows that we prefer to satisfy our own desires in our own way instead of according to God's word, or to satisfy them immediately instead of waiting for His timing. It hurts others because it violates the commitment so necessary to a relationship. It hurts us because it often brings disease to our bodies and adversely affects our personalities. Sexual immorality has tremendous power to destroy families, churches, and communities because it destroys the integrity on which these relationships are built. God wants to protect us from hurting ourselves and others. Thus, we're to have no part in sexual immorality, even if our culture accepts it. The deeper truths, so-called, that we'll read about here today, the deeper truths of Satan were either false teachings advocated by heretics or secret insights by so-called believers uh, guaranteed, they said, to promote deeper spiritual life. What was the appeal of such teaching? Um, it may have been appealing to hear what uh, happens in the body is inconsequential. Therefore, it's not sinful to fulfill sexual desires outside marriage. Another appeal to these so-called deep things may have been the sense of pride that such knowledge stimulated in those seeking it. Listen, we should hold tightly to the basics of our Christian faith and view with extreme caution any new teaching that turns us away from the Bible, the fellowship of our church, or our basic confession of faith. And now let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. December 11th, the New Testament, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse 6. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira, who have not followed this false teaching, deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you, except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end. To them I will give authority over all nations, 
They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold Spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do, and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly, as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8. Keeping a record of sins, or holding a grudge, is like building a wall between you and another person. And it's nearly impossible to talk openly while the wall is there. God doesn't keep a record of our sins. When He forgives, He forgives completely, tearing down any wall between us and Him. Therefore, we fear, that is, revere God, yet we can talk to Him about anything. When you pray, realize that God is holding nothing against you. His lines of communication are completely open. Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness, that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Proverbs 29, verses 21 and 22. A servant, pampered from childhood, will become a rebel. An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Try to find the words to pray 
Today's scripture reading begins in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from good will. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians during a long and unjust imprisonment. However, this short epistle is full of rejoicing. Paul never complains or casts blame for his situation because he's learned to live above his circumstances. Most people have a different response to difficulty. First, in an attempt to make themselves feel better, they try blaming someone else for the problem, but this results only in broken relationships. Next, they complain, which gets pity from others but enhances the problem in their own minds. And finally, they search for a way out of the situation and usually make things worse in the process. Paul knew that there was a strategy for Christians for living above one's circumstances rather than merely muddling through them. He shifted his focus. Instead of examining his problem and whining about it, he looked to God. Praise came from his lips. I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. We read that in the third chapter of Philippians in verse 8. God wants to hear our honest concerns, and He can handle our anger or confusion about our trials. But above all, He wants us to trust Him to see us through. Focusing on the Lord and praising Him does not mean we pretend to enjoy tough times. That would be insincere. But we can honestly acknowledge that He is in control of the situation and will guide our every step, just as He promised. Believers have a simple choice. We can wallow in self-pity. Or we can look to Jesus Christ and learn to live above our circumstances. Which of the two will you choose? Oh, oh, oh. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, I just love this next principle because we've seen it bear such incredible fruit. It's the self-government principle of forgiveness, and it's based on Proverbs 16, verse 6. Iniquity is atoned for by mercy and truth. Evil is avoided by reverence for God. We find forgiveness helps us as much as anybody else. Ah, uh, really? Really, that's uh, forgiveness is probably the best medicine you can take for your health. Hmm. I mean, that's a, that's an absolute truth. And a lot of people think it's uh, weakness. You know, weakness yes. that if you acknowledge uh, that you need to be forgiven or something like that. But that is absolutely an established law of God that we all need, and we need to understand what that is. This is so important. To atone means to pay for the iniquity, the evil, or the wrong we have done. The payment or atonement makes restitution and restores us to our former state. The end result is forgiveness. The principle of forgiveness is probably one of the most rewarding principles we can experience in life because it has a major effect on our health and well-being as a person. It will also affect our business dealings as well as our relationships with others in general. So it's not just for church that we think forgiveness. No, 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 no. In fact, a lot of these principles are not just for church, they're for life and more for the outside of the church than it is for the inside of the church. Mm -hmm. Because the people in church are supposed to be loving, kind anyhow. Uh, but but these are life principles, and uh, forgiveness is something that that is just needed because uh, if we don't, we carry what you call a lot of burdens around. We, we need to, for somehow, somehow we need to be able to ask people to forgive us, and, and, and we need to have an attitude of forgiveness before people ask us. See, if you want to be healthy uh, and uh, your fun body functions right, you'll never let something bother you uh, about something because you'll deal with it. But you should you should be able to let people go and forgive them because almost like Jesus did, for they know not what they do. But but sometimes we have for our own selves. I got to ask and come to you, forgive me, saying like, 
and and so it's two ways. It's not just for mm-hmm. myself; it's mm-hmm. for somebody else too. In order to experience forgiveness, we need to understand why we should accept and receive forgiveness from God. We must first recognize that God is holy and just and wants us to practice righteousness with each other. This righteousness is derived from his laws. He made the true rules of life and living. These rules are called truth. They cannot be broken without penalties. They are like the law of gravity. We cannot change its rules, but must also learn to live by them. Likewise, God's law is just, and punishment must follow its violation. Otherwise, God's word could not be trusted. God said uh, that if you, uh, if you do this, uh, you die. Okay. And if he's just, then he's got to live up to that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so he has to kill you. Saying like if, if God would say that. If he says, if you do this, you'll be punished. Then he has to have a system of punishment. Because if he doesn't, then he's not just. So now here's where grace and forgiveness comes in. It, it means that God is just, so he also has to have some type of a system to say how to not exercise. So, so for not to exercise his penalty then, you have to humble yourself and you have to ask forgiveness, and then you get mercy from what, which means that God stays mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. but he now... In our responses, so it's a system that God built. In our courts, are that way too. Saying like, if you if you defend yourself and you're proven guilty, and even if you defend yourself, uh, you're going to get locked up or you're going to get the penalty. But if you if you the best time sometimes when you can do when you're guilty is to go and say like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, at a spur of a moment, I did something mm-hmm. or did something wrong. And Fall on the mercy of the court and and ask for the mercy of the court. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get mercy. So. Uh, so it's it's a rule. It's it's a rule of life, and I like the way our early American fathers mm-hmm. put this law system together. It's, it was a good system. Now here's a real key: unlike gravity, where punishment follows immediately after violation, mercy and forgiveness are available for us while we are in the process of learning the spiritual rules of life, and it gives us second chances. Oh, that's what it is. It's like you you, you do things, and because you're growing up and you're learning. And so God has a system that allows you to break laws, break the rules of life, and a forgiveness system as you practice the practice. While you're in the learning process, there is forgiveness. Just like a father with their, or mother with their child, you know, when, when they, eventually they'll punish the child if they don't straighten up, but they'll, they'll give them grace because, you know, they know that they need it. So it's a system that God built, and it, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. When mm-hmm. you understand it and function in it, 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 it it's the best thing that you could imagine. God knew that we would fall short of his law of righteousness, so he provided a law of atonement. He calls this forgiveness. If we don't understand or receive forgiveness, then we are under the penalty and judgment of God's system of justice. Jesus did not come to destroy or take away the law, but to teach us principles of love and mercy tempered with justice. So you have the action, then you have judgment or justice, but then love and mercy that's right it 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 grows it's just like uh i was born and raised on the farm and and so it's just like uh training a horse or training training an animal it's like you reward it when it does good you make rules for it and uh, and they don't know what the rules are and they don't know what the benefits are so it it's like you punish them a little bit if they violate it but then you feed them something give them an apple when they do good and then all of a sudden this horse learns hey i know what john wants i i know what makes and so so it's grace and law 
punishment and blessing, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Un- until the horse learns. Then the ho- horse starts obeying him because he sees the value of it. God offers forgiveness for those who receive Jesus. Law without mercy makes life hard and tough. It brings on constant guilt and anger that destroys our health and relationships. Without experiencing forgiveness, we develop a bad attitude about people and life in general, putting ourselves in a negative, defensive mode towards life. That is really true. And boy, I've seen people like that, that they, they, they want to hold people accountable, mm-hmm. and uh, which is okay, but but then, then they have no mercy. I mean, they have no mercy. They say, I want you to bend on your knees in front of me and beg me for mercy. I mean, that, that's, you hurt yourself for doing that. You gotta, you gotta understand something different than that, but it's, it's, it's a rule, and life becomes very tough if you don't understand forgiveness. It becomes very tough. In fact, I think Christianity is the only one that has what you call a health program mm-hmm. that develops health in a person mm-hmm. because of forgiveness. Rather than guilt. That's right, rather than guilt, because it's a way of handling guilt. Others have to live, live to the point where mm-hmm. I'm not measuring up, and then they have to drive themselves, and so, the, so they never can let go of that. Now, sometimes I think that uh, sometimes Christians sometimes are too much in that line, and they don't respect law. They just say, well, everything's forgiveness, and then they never develop. But it's a balance. It's it's a right design. There's two attitudes that we should be aware of. The first is this, the strict law attitude. This creates rebellion in our children, workers, or society. People feel they can never be good enough, so why even try? That's right. The Bible says that uh, the law worketh wrath. And uh, and when you live and teach kids under law all the time, just strict, strict, strict rules, and then uh, all all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have to have an attitude that's a little different then. The other extreme is this, the attitude of looseness. This leaves people with no goals or parameters to live by, and it creates irresponsible attitudes with our kids, workers, and a society who then feel they can get away with anything. That's right. So so, so it's a balance between the two. You can be too strict, but then you also can be so loose. And I, I think our country for a while was too loose on a lot of those issues. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so now we're trying to straighten up because advantage, people take advantage of that eventually. So it, it, it's a self-cleansing system, and it builds itself. We must remember that God made the rules. He cannot change the law of justice because his righteousness is always right. However, he has made another law that brings relief to the pain and also to the agony of life. If we receive and understand the principle of forgiveness, we will receive atonement or payment. So there's always something that has to be paid, but forgiveness becomes the That's currency. That's right. That's right. Atonement means that it restores you. It gives you another chance. Saying, like, come on, let's start up and go over again. But it, it's dealt with because God has to deal with the law because he made the law. So he has to also have a justice, justice in there so that a person gets a chance. Atonement is simply forgiveness for our failures so we can get up and start again. Then we can prosper and be glad as we walk as children of light. Jesus is more than the way. He's also the truth and the life. He is just, but also has offered us mercy and forgiveness while we're in the process of learning to live under the rules of his kingdom. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, it's like I look at our uh, structure originally, and uh, and I see that our forefathers really understood something that I'm just discovering, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but uh, but they really had some insight in the, in the way that they structured the country based upon God's law and principles of justice and then the courts to make fairness and... And justice. The principle of forgiveness, Proverbs 16, 
Verse 6, Iniquity is atoned for by mercy and truth. Evil is avoided by reverence for God. That's right. Forgiveness. Man, it's a powerful, powerful statement. And uh, it's probably one of the greatest and most important uh, principle in life. I can really say I'm understanding it. I believe it is probably the most important principle in life is to understand forgiveness. Not just forgiveness from God, but we're talking about forgiving your, being able to forgive yourself. Uh, and if you, if you learn to, uh, a way of forgiving yourself, it takes the pressure off of life, you know, and it, you know, it makes you feel better about yourself. And also finding a way of forgiving others, that's critical because if you don't, can't forgive others, you carry a grudge or something like that, that's destructive. These are destructive forces if you don't conquer them. And then also being able to receive forgiveness from God, you have to understand his system. He has a wonderful system of forgiveness. It's called justice. And I don't think that any religion in the world has a system like Christianity does. But I do believe this, that I believe it's really misunderstood even amongst Christians, and it should be discovered. Uh, The system really holds us accountable, but at the same time gives us forgiveness so we can keep on and have another chance. Uh, Without... uh, experiencing forgiveness we will really want to get even so whenever you meet people that want to get even with people then you know that they've not experienced forgiveness uh, because that's that's the sign people that just want to get even with somebody they don't know what forgiveness is because forgiveness is for yourself very critical whether people ask you or not it's a it's a spirit that you walk in forgiveness
word, we're digging deep to know our Father's heart. Into the world, we're reaching out to show them who you are. So living water flowing through, God, we thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to
today's podcast make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of transformation radio